And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavner. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. That's me. That's <laughs> what they call you. <laughs> That's what they call me. Uh, 100%. Yes, uh, Mr. Falcon. Uh, for those of you that have ever watched Die Hard 2 on cable television or network television and got the dubbed version, it's an absolute delight. And I encourage you to check it out at some point. <laughs> sure, you could go on uh, YouTube and find it somewhere. Yeah, that's not nearly as fun. It is. You can watch it with commercials and be irritated at all the cutaways. And, <laughs> you know, that old chestnut. But exactly. yes, uh, it is December and we are continuing our trend of celebrating Christmas with all sorts of fun Christmas movies. And uh, luckily for you listening, <laughs> you get to watch Die Hard 2 this week. And I'm excited about that. Um, but yes, before we dig into that, Mr. Zach, what have you been watching? So in the spirit of Christmas, I watched Harry Potter 6 and both uh, parts of 7. Uh, I started Hawkeye. That is, uh, it's not a bad show. I was kind of underwhelmed in the first episode. And then I watched the first like 15 minutes and I think I was kind of more hooked towards the end of the first episode. But yeah, it's okay so far. I've heard it. I've heard good things. So I need to continue it. But I have one episode down and then I watched Just Friends. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. I love it. Uh, And then I also watched Free Guy on the airplane. I was up in Alaska last week and I watched on the way back the movie Free Guy and I did not like it at all. I didn't laugh one bit. Um, So I'm glad I watched it on the plane. And then also, so as the recording, <laughs> as of this recording, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home comes out on Thursday, the 16th. So I am watching or I watch Spider-Man Homecoming and tomorrow I will watch Spider-Man Far From Home to prep myself. So I'm excited. But yeah, that's about it, man. What about you? Ooh, uh, I've been watching a lot lately. Um, still plugging away at Seinfeld and Project Runway All-Stars. My favorite designers are winning, so that's good. Um, <laughs> you know, like uh, Seth Aaron and Dimitri, so that's great. Um, watched Hot Rod, The Burbs, Christmas Vacation. The Outsiders was a couple weeks ago, but I forgot to mention it, so I wanted to throw that in there. Uh, Looper. I watched Looper this morning. I forgot how crazy Town Banana Pants <laughs> that movie is. That movie is absurd. Yeah. Uh, it's really dark and depressing, and it's kind of a joyless film, but... It's really good. So I don't know if you haven't seen Looper, check it out. I don't know what I watched it on HBO, maybe or uh, the Netflix, one of the two. But uh, holy shit, that movie takes you for a ride. I hadn't seen it since uh, it came out in the theaters and it had been a spell. And I remembered parts of it, uh, but not all of it. And then when, by the time I got to the end, I was like, what is happening in this <laughs> movie? And uh, yeah, it was uh, quite the journey. So check out looper when you get a chance it's dark very very dark a lot of sad things happen in that movie so make sure you're in the right headspace for murder and uh and then uh part of the normal rogues gallery i watched hateful eight last night um i just needed 
to borrow about three hours of time for little Henry to sleep. And so popped in the old eight plate there. Worked out pretty great. And Netflix knows too. It's like always like watch it. You know when there's like the watch it again? It's always like the first movie listed there. That's so funny. And let me just tell you what a bunch of scam artists fucking Netflix is too. Like anytime it just ranks like their top 10 episodes or top 10 shows, it's like all their original programming. And then they'll throw in like some weird thing like Karate Kid Part 3 is number eight. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's like whatever. It's like number one in the US today. And it's like Red Notice. I'm like, oh, weird. The the top five are all Netflix original films. I wonder where you're getting your metrics from. I know. (laughs) On a completely non-biased independent study by us. (laughs) We are the best streaming service. So. That is crooked as a barrel of snakes. I know. Uh, I can't stand it. I I have a hard time with Netflix. It's actually probably middle tier for me in terms of streaming services. It's not the worst, but I, I just I constantly am like, okay, I'm just going straight to movies and not Netflix originals. There are some gems out there for sure, but they're just pumping out so many. Um, I saw like a trailer today for a movie with Kevin James and Taylor Lautner that's supposed to be like a, a fictional Sean Payton thing. Uh, he was a coach for the Saints or he is the coach for the Saints. And I was like, hard pass. And then there are a couple more that are supposed to be coming out that I'm like, yeah, that looks awful. So Netflix. Oof. So their user, their UI is like amazing. Like, sure. I don't think, there, absolutely. I don't think there's a single company that has has an <clears throat> UI that I can appreciate more than Netflix. But in their top 10 in the US today, it's the unforgivable. <laughs> I was like, All right, whatever. Sandra Bullock. Bird Box Part 2, let's do it. Then there's, <laughs> then there's the Shack, then back to the Outback, uh, the Queen of Flow, is that what that says? And then, uh, yeah, it's two seasons. Then it's the Lost in Space, The Witcher, which I still need to watch, and they dropped the first like six episodes early, and I can't believe I didn't do it. But then here's here's the weird one, right? Then it's number seven, is Law Abiding Citizen. What? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> No fucking way, man. It is all lies. Then eight is Money Heist, new episodes. Um, yeah, it gets pretty bad. <laughs> Law-abiding citizen. Yeah, that that's, sucks. That's, uh, there's always the weird one. That was my Karate Kid 3 example is, is Law-abiding citizen. That's so oh, funny. Oh, boy. Yeah, and um, and then for mine, too, it's the same thing as yours, like you said. But for mine, like the leads, it says critically acclaimed films. The very first one, Tremors. <laughs> like, no. Like, <laughs> now we're that's, talking. That's true. And then it goes Moneyball, Gladiator, The Alpinist, Klaus, Minority Report, Titanic. So, yeah, they got some gems in there, too. But yeah, it's I just love like, Tremors. Dude, that movie is one of my favorites. Looper is trending on this. Looper's the welcome. fourth the fourth choice that's <laughs> trending. And White Christmas, uh, Weezerface on Twitter, she messaged me and, rec- and recommended White Christmas, which I've actually never seen. So I need to pop that one in. And that's on Netflix. But that makes sense because it's a holiday. So I will I will have to check that one out. I heard Arcane is really good, too. Yeah, do you play show. League of Legends? Uh, no, but um, I heard that you don't necessarily need to play it to understand mm-hmm. it. I like the yeah. animation. I saw the trailer and it looked really cool. Sure. So, but I need to watch that and The Witcher. So, yeah. Oh my God, The Witcher. Yeah, I just can't do it with little Henry screaming every five seconds. So I'm kind of waiting until I can just kind of have some alone time to watch. It's easy. Just tell him to be quiet. That's how you tell babies, right? Just tell them to be quiet. That's how that works. Exactly. Netflix, Um, man. What are you going to do? Yeah. Anyway, so. Uh, moving on, we are going to continue rocking around the Christmas tree, and we are going to explore Die Hard 2, Die Harder. This is from 1990, directed by one Rennie Harlan, who you might know from 
uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Cliffhanger, Cutthroat Island, The Long Kiss Goodnight, and Driven. Oh, and he did the shark movie, Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, deepest blue is my head is like a shark. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so he likes the Samuel L. Jackson and he likes the Gina Davis and he puts them together in the movie for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? And he likes the sliced alone because he's in both Driven and Cliffhanger. How about that? He's got a lot of the same actors he likes. Yeah. All right. Written by Stephen E. DeSouza and Doug Richardson. Cast includes, this is an all-star cast. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. You got Bruce Willis, Bonnie Bedelia, William Atherton, Reginald Vell Johnson, Franco Nero, William Sadler, John Amos, Dennis Franz, Art Evans, Tom Bauer, and former Senator Fred Thompson from Tennessee. Hey. He was born in Arkansas, but he was a Republican senator from Tennessee. <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't think he's with us anymore. I think he passed away a couple Yeah, years he died. Ago. Yeah. I always like him in movies. He's, you know, that guy's like six six. He's a, he's, he's a, a giant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a tall he's got dude. Got that big old, that deep voice. Like <laughs> he's eating molasses now. He's in a lot of movies I enjoy too. So he's like in the Hunt for October, Days of Thunder, fucking Die Hard Two. The Hunt for things, October sure. was directed by uh, uh, Frank McTiernan, who or John McTiernan, who did the uh, first Die Hard. So well, there you go. Fun little trivia for you. He's like, let's move the building underwater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, James Cameron, calm down. <laughs> you know, it'd be great if instead of the building went going up, it went long ways <laughs> and we put it underwater. <laughs> the nightclub is actually the street <laughs> and the street is actually the nightclub. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that rocks, but it's funny shit. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so critical reception, uh, it's pretty good, not too shabby. It's uh, certified fresh on the old tomato meter there. It's 69% from the critics and 70% from the audience. Not too shabby. We'll go ahead and start with the bad. Uh, Chris Sterrett from the Christian Science <laughs> Monitor. <laughs> oh, yay. Not, not a fan. <laughs> as vapid as it is violent. All right. There you go. Uh, Gary Thompson from Philadelphia Daily News says, though it has an inventive and unexpected plot twist, Die Hard 2 lacks credibility. Die Hard was that rare modern action picture with a wooly, believable plot. About a lot. So there you have it. Uh, Positive, we have Sheila Benson from the Los Angeles Times. She says, this is the most cheerfully preposterous film of a jaw-dropping summer which is not to say it's not fun. It's simply orchestrated Looney Tunes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll buy that. I mean, that's what yeah. a summer blockbuster should be. Exactly. You know, a popcorn flick, as it were. Uh, the filmmakers know the... Oh, excuse me. This is David Anson from Newsweek. He says, The filmmakers know the audience is challenging them to top themselves, and they've risen to the bait. Harlan and company build suspense the old-fashioned way. They earn it. Ooh. Well, there you have it. And let's see. The budget was $70 million. It grossed $117 million in the United States and Canada. Opening weekend, it did $21.7 million. That was on July 8th, 1990. And worldwide, you're looking at $240 million. That, my friend, is a commercial success. Yeah. 
That is a reason that they uh, had a franchise running for this. Makes total sense. Yeah, stack them, back them, and rack them. Yeah. Fred Thompson says. <laughs> exactly. Huck it, chuck it, football. My <laughs> list is dead. Every goddamn system is dead. <laughs> That's so good. So, okay. Well, here are some fun trivia facts for anybody that doesn't know. There are no opening credits, and I like that. That is a big reason why I like this movie a lot. Spoiler alert, I absolutely love this movie. So they just, you know, get right into it. No foreplay, just jump right into the movie. I dig it. I wonder if you need some sort of um, union approval for something like that. SAG's Mm. mean, and like... Yeah, true. I think they have a problem with that. Because Star Wars is like that too, right? They just have the Mm. opening crawl, and then it's credits at the end. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, I bet you they have a problem. <laughs> Rennie, Rennie Harlan, I mean, he's probably like, hey, fuck you. I'm from Sweden or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so. We do it how we want. We do it how we want. Ah. <laughs> so, that's my Swedish accent. I am. I apologize for anybody who's Swedish because I do not. I, I, I'm not good with accents. How do you say? Have you so. seen Seen No Evil, Hear No Evil? I think I've asked you that before. With uh, um, Richard Pryor? Yeah. And Gene Wilder? Uh, I have seen parts of it. So there's this part where they pretend to be these Swedish doctors. And, uh, well, they, Richard Pryor pretends to be a Swedish doctor. And uh, he's like, me from Dr. Johansson and me from Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's so stupid. I love it. And, uh, like, they're checking into a hotel. And uh, Gene Wilder's like, and I am Dr. Kesselring. And... Um, and she's like, well, I have your room right here. It's two queens. And he's like, get them fellas out of there. We need to get some Z's. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Man, both of them are so funny. Oh, my God. Gene Wilder. Talk about like celebrity deaths that <clears throat> just break your heart and, and really pull at you. Mm-hmm. Gene Wilder was one that had a tremendous impact on me. I love that man so much. It was a he surprise was just... he was still alive. He was just so quiet for so long afterwards. Yeah. He started but, writing. Yeah. Um, he wrote this book called uh, My French Whore. And it is so delightful. I love it so much. I actually have it right here in arm's reach. Right next to, right next to your pocket sand? Yeah, right here. Hey, cool? right on. That yeah. is cool. It's an absolute delight. <clears throat> I think you should check it out. It's really short, too. It's only like 100 and something pages. It's 170 cool. pages or so. And um, it'll take you, whatever, like an hour and a half to read. So check it out whenever you get a chance. It's a World War One story. Cool. Yeah, I have a Kindle Unlimited trial, so maybe I will. Maybe I will. Sweet. So uh, the additional facts that are that are super fun. (laughs) No, it's okay. That's what it's all about. All right. Just don't be pretentious. Initially, (laughs) this movie initially received an NC-17 rating and holy buckets. That's uh, that's edgy, bro. (laughs) I wonder what they had to cut out on it. Probably extra shots of blood. Yeah, it's one of those things where the longer the camera is on like a violent act, mm-hmm. then that's something that they can tone it down. So a lot of times they'll go, they'll just, you know, shoot for the stars and then just edit, edit, edit to make it an R rating. The the death when he gets when he's like the first death, when he's on the conveyor belt going up to the luggage and gets his face smashed. I didn't like that. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> and then the icicle, too. I was like, oh, my God. Except oh, I wanted nice. him. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I wanted him to say something cool like ice to meet you, just like you know, Mr. Freeze does. So <laughs> yeah. holy Chill. shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the guy's screaming bloody murder and then he snaps it off. I think oh. that's so crazy. <laughs> that was that was hardcore, man. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> Even though I've seen it a bunch, it's still just jarring to watch. It's like, fuck. 
But and anytime someone gets shot and the camera is behind them, you see the exit wounds. Yeah. It's always really big ass holes coming out of their bodies. Yeah, they used a lot of squibs in this and they were this. Yeah. <laughs> so. It was like it was like eight point two squibs per per bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, totally realistic, you know. <laughs> I'm sure an exit one would be pretty big, but yeah. you're just not used to that in the motion picture shows. No, exactly. They the ante. Yeah, exactly. So Black and Decker paid to have its cordless drill featured in a scene with Bruce Willis. When the scene was cut, the company sued 20th Century Fox for, in the first ever product placement lawsuit for a film. The $150,000 claim was settled out of court. That's like chump change for that kind of movie. But still, that makes sense just for one particular scene. Then everybody would go buy a Black and Decker drill. Sure, but I mean, if you're paying one hundred fifty thousand dollars for Bruce Willis to be a one of your repairman, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then it gets cut, you'd be like, I'd be upset too. <laughs> yeah, I'd be upset too. I'd be like, gimme, gimme, gimme. So uh, the general is from Valverde, the fictitious Latin American country used in the movie Commando from 1985 and the movie Predator from 1987, suggesting that they are in the same film universe, the McTiernan verse. I don't know who directed Commando, but um, I know I think it's all the same writer guy that, or producer. That's I think it was the writer. Mm-hmm. I think it's that DeSalza guy. I think he's the the link that connects. Oh him, yeah, I, I forget. I, I could see be that because Shane Black was in Predator, um, but I don't know, and he writes too. But I don't know. But he might have produced Predator. Or something. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. DeSalza makes more sense. So very cool, Valverde. The scenes with Bruce Willis running through tunnels under the airport were filmed at a water treatment facility near Los Angeles. The facility has miles of underground tunnels and was also used in Live Free or Die Hard, doubling as the Woodlawn Social Security Administration building. Huh. How about that? Back where it all began. The film exceeded all expectations, outgrossing the original Die Hard by nearly double. That is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. But, I mean, it's probably because, you know, the first Die Hard was such a success and not a lot of people saw it in theaters and then it was more of like a home video thing. Laserdisc, see? In, <laughs> in an interview, John Amos, who is delightful in this movie, said there, there was actual tension between him and Bruce Willis during the course of filming, which got reflected on screen. Let's just say that he will never humiliate me in public again, Amos said. You got that, Bruce? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and that's pretty awesome because I like John Amos a lot. So... I wonder if it worked really well for their scenes when they were arguing with each other. And that stays pretty, that's pretty on par for how Bruce Willis is. Um, apparently off screen, he's an asshole. So makes sense. And then finally, the Russian title for Die Hard in all three movies is a hard nut to crack. <laughs> that's a hard chestnut to crack. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Polish title for Die Hard in all three movies is The Glass Trap as a reference to the first movie located in a glass skyscraper. Huh. Turned into a submarine in the hunt for Red October. <laughs> so, according, real quick, uh, just some fact checking there. Uh, De Salza believes that Predator takes place in Valverde. Predator, like Commando, was produced by Joe Silver and starred Arnold Schwarzenegger. However, in Predators 2010, Isabel, mm-hmm. played by Alice Braga, states that the events of the original film took place in Guatemala, though part of the first film's act takes place in another unnamed country. So, there hmm. you have it. So, okay. we'll just. Uh, We'll chalk it up to possibly. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's a synopsis for anyone who has not seen Die Hard 2. Um, and here's here's what I want to say. Do you call it Die Hard 2, Die Harder, or do you just call it Die Hard 2? What do I call it? I call it DH2DH. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I uh, I call it Die Hard too. But yeah, you're right. The box did say Die Harder, and a lot of people. I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, like we need to we need to tell people it's a sequel. So we'll just say <laughs> Die Harder, you know. And then this third one could be Die Hardest or right. Die the Most. So. Was it wasn't it Dave that called Dune? Yeah, Dune Two, Dune, Dune Harder. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. funny. Uh, I, yeah, I no, I laughed at that. <laughs> I have always called it Die Hard Two. Okay. I, I don't. Uh, I mean, someone will always. If you call it Die Hard Two, a person next to you will call it Die Harder. <laughs> They'll finish the title. <laughs> well, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like a uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, it's called Edge of Tomorrow. Live Die Repeat is what people call it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what? That's not what it's called. It's called Edge of Tomorrow. But yeah, people call it LDR. So. Yeah, all you need is kill. I think was the yes, the graphic novel. Your graphic novel, yeah. yeah. Okay, so here's a synopsis. On Christmas Eve, two years after the events of Die Hard, uh, John McClane, now a lieutenant with the Los Angeles Police Department, arrives at Dulles International Airport to pick up his wife, Holly. Meanwhile, a plane carrying corrupt foreign military leader General Ramon Esperanza is also headed to Dulles under extradition for using U.S. funds to buy drugs. Waiting to meet Esperanza's plane is disgraced former Colonel William Stewart and a group of ex-military sympathizers who supported Esperanza's actions. Suspicious, McLean follows two of Stewart's men into a restricted baggage sorting area where a gunfight ensues. McLean kills one man, but the other escapes. With the help of his friend, Sergeant Al Powell, he discovers the dead man has assumed the identity of a military officer who died two years prior. Putting this together with Esperanza's imminent arrival, McLean reports his concerns to the airport police chief, Carmine Lorenzo, and air traffic control director, Ed Trudeau, but neither believe him. They are convinced when Stewart and his men operating out of a church on the outskirts of the airport cut all communications with incoming airplanes, disable all runway lighting, and demand that Esperanza's plane be allowed to land without interference. Trudeau, Trudeau orders all air traffic controllers to have all planes in Dulles airspace hold in the air. McLean becomes worried about Holly's plane and enlists the help of the airport janitor Marvin to fight back. How about 20 bucks for it? <laughs> How about you give it 20 bucks yeah. for it? How about I let you live? Man knows how to negotiate. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, that's pretty funny. Chief airport engineer Leslie Barnes is dead decides to try using an unfinished antenna array to communicate with the airplanes circling the airport. Carmine sends an airport SWAT team with him, but Stewart's men kill them all, except for Barnes, who is saved by McLean. In retaliation, Stewart crashes a British airplane by pretending to be the air traffic control tower and faking the airplane's altimeter reading. Once Esperanza's plane lands, McLean wounds Esperanza before Stewart and his men arrive. They blow up the plane and take Esperanza to the church, but fail to kill McLean. A U.S. Special Forces team arrives, led by Major Grant, for whom Stewart is protege. Grant's men and McLean attack the church. McLean kills one of Stewart's men and gives chase with his gun, but the men escape. Confused as to why he failed to wound anyone, McLean realizes the gun was filled with blanks, meaning Grant's team is cooperating with Stewart. Grant, Stewart, their men, and Esperanza all rendezvous at an airport hangar where a Boeing 747 they demanded is waiting for them. On Holly's flight, arrogant reporter Richard Thornburg becomes suspicious as to why the plane hasn't landed. He taps into the cockpit communications and records an earlier uh, surreptitious transmission from Barnes to all the circling airplanes describing the situation. In the airplane's laboratory, he broadcasts the recording live on television, leading to a panic in the airport terminal, which prevents McLean and Carmine from getting to the 747. 
Ollie subdues Thornburg with a fellow passenger's stun gun. McLean commandeers a news helicopter to fly him to the runway where the 747 plane takes off. He jumps onto the wing of the plane and uses his coat to jam the, what is that? Aileron? Whatever that is. Sure, um, the flaps. <laughs> yeah, the flap thing, you know? <laughs> uh, preventing the plane from taking off. McLean kills Grant and in the struggle with Stewart opens the gas reservoir in the wing. When Stewart pushes McLean off the wing, McLean uses a cigarette lighter to ignite the gas trail, exploding the plane and killing everyone on board. The fire trail also serves as a landing guide for all airborne planes, including Holly's, to land safely. After McLean and Holly are reunited, Marvin picks him up in his golf cart and drives them away. I think it's just a service cart. I don't think it's a golf cart, but that is Die Hard 2, Die Harder with a Vengeance.com. <laughs> DH2, DH. <laughs> I'm excited. I yeah. love this movie. It is a good movie. Me too, Justin. Yeah. So when did you first watch Die Hard 2? Okay, so <clears throat> let me clear my throat. I apologize. Uh, my dad had a triple pack on VHS. And you can't triple just, stamp a double stamp. You can triple stamp a double stamp. And so he had, uh, it, it came in a box, in a gray box, and all three were in there, right? And I remember watching it with him. Um this was the very first Die Hard movie I ever saw. So I think that's why it's so special to me. I absolutely love this movie and I will die on this hill. It is my favorite. Die I will Hard. die harder on. this. I will hill. die harder on this hill. It is. I think I said that when when Stephen K. James was like, are you ready to die on that hill? I was like, I'll die harder. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely my favorite Die Hard by far. And well, not by far, but uh, definitely my di- favorite Die Hard. And it was one of my favorite. It's so much so, Justin, that in seventh grade, we had to write a creative story about an egg, each one of us. And I was like, what could I do? So I made Fry Hard 2, Fry Harder. And it was about <laughs> it was about an egg named John McEgg. And he went to an airport to pick up his wife, Mrs. Omelette. And and all the same events unfolded with this. And I did like a three page story based off of Die Hard 2. And it was so cool. Um, I had to do a little drawing of of John McEgg. And I did like his little tank top, you know, and stuff, even though that was from the first Die Hard. But I made it put him in like a tank top and everything and no shoes. And it was pretty awesome. And I've I've looked for that. I, I know I have it somewhere, but if I ever find it, I'll send it to you. But yeah, this this movie really resonated with me. Um. And uh, I saw it, yeah, when I was, uh, God, how old was I then? 12, maybe? So I probably first saw it when I was about 10, give or take. Nice. Yeah, I was 10 when I saw it. I I saw it in the theater. This was the first Die Hard movie I saw in the theater. I had seen the original. I had seen the original already, but my mom and my dad and I went on a little trip to Vegas uh, this summer, in summer 1990. And then my dad wanted to go to Utah to like check out this area, like this property to buy. And then we went and saw Die Hard in the theater at nighttime. Or Die Hard 2, rather. And I, I like you, I loved it. This is this one's awesome. It's so, so fun. <laughs> I know. I think it's I think it's awesome. And, and I think seeing it with my parents had a lot to do with it, too. You know, because I have two older sisters, but they weren't there. They were doing their own thing. Um, they were one was at like my grandma's and I don't know what my, what my other sister was doing, but it was just me and my parents on this trip, so it was extra special. Mm-hmm. There was no fighting in the back seat. <laughs> so there was that. Nice. Um, but yeah, so in 30 seconds or less, tell me why Die Hard 2 is the best in the series. Ooh, the elevator pitch. Okay, well, here's the timer. You're going up to the top floor of Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> oh, so there you, you go. got 30 seconds. All right. Tell me why Die Hard 2 
is the best. Okay. So the idea of a ticking clock where uh, time is very, very relevant in this and, it, it, you know, you need, it's urgent, very, very urgent. The characterization uh, just that carries over from the first one of an everyman that is John McClane who kind of just struggles to figure out what his next steps are. He's not perfect. It's great. He makes it work. A wonderful plot twist uh, with the the good guys are the bad guys. The files are in the computer, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Fantastic cast, like we talked about earlier. Bigger action and set pieces. Uh, it's way more of an Xmas movie than Die Hard, in my opinion, because it actually takes place, uh, you know, Christmas Eve. Uh, it has the best yippee Kaye, in my opinion, of all the films. And people do complain about it being a rehash of the first, but I see nothing wrong with that because it's like, guess what? If you had an amazing cheese or amazing hamburger, What's going to make it even better? I'm going to want it again with cheese on it. And Die Hard 2 is Die Hard 1 with cheese on it. It's, it's even better. It's delicious. Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. It was a little over 30 seconds, but I gave it as quick as I can. I could talk yeah. about this movie for a long time. But yes, sure. for, for all the reasons I said, you know, and, and we'll discuss those more in depth. Yeah, it's great. Sure. I, I had a similar sentence. I put down some thoughts just in case you missed any points or maybe you had different ones. Uh, but I say this movie cranks the violence up to 11 compared to the original. The exit wounds are incredibly bloody, which we've already addressed. <laughs> There's an impaling of an icicle. A dude's head gets crushed by a luggage sorter. And the turbines go chop, chop. Uh, you know, oh they up God, the yeah. ante across the board with higher stakes, better action sequences, and a higher body count. And a gross amount of bullets are fired. Uh, even the bad guy thinks he won as he's blown out of the sky, which I think is important. You know, he got away thinking that, you know, he, he bested McLean. Um, and time is a factor, as you mentioned. There isn't a moment to waste, and uh, that is why this is the best in the series for me. I agree. Sounds like we're on the same page too with it. Yeah, yeah. The action we're on is the same plane, and the action run is... out of fuel in ninety minutes. No, I know it's it's out of out of this world. It's like holy shit. So yeah, it's 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 <laughs> yeah. fascinating. All right, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You know what? The, I had to Google that one time. It stands for Instrument Landing System. Oh, <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And and you know what's funny is rewatching it, the guy even says, the instrument landing system's down. And then that's when he runs over to Fred Thompson. And he's like, I listen to it. <laughs> so there you have it. So as the Die Hard franchise continued to grow, John McClane appeared to get more and more superhuman. There are countless planes in the air, but is Die Hard 2 still grounded? <laughs> You like that? Nice. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's kind of the beauty of Die Hard, too. And, well, the Die Hard movies in general, the absurdity and the suspension of disbelief is kind of what makes them, you know, keep going. Except for the very last or the most recent one. I think it was like, it's a good day to die hard. That is the Devon of Die yeah, Hard movies. It's pretty that bad. Movie, that movie's pretty terrible. Bad. Yeah. Holy shit. As someone that just could ground up the Die Hard films and snort them and love them, <laughs> six or five sucks, dude. It that does. movie is terrible. Yeah, I, I, I don't like the the twist of, oh, hey, he's, you know, the guy we've been escorting is actually the bad guy. Um, it's it's just, it's so weak. And I actually really like Live Free or Die Hard. I think that one's awesome. And I think that's more of a Fourth of July movie is what I would call it. It is, um, 100%. But uh, but they, they get absurd and, and crazy. But, you know, it, it's the same reason why I like the Fast and Furious movies. Because they're so ludicrous, but at the same time, I am ludicrous. Just, yeah, and he's in it too. But at the yeah. same time, I'm like, I love these. Like, I have to see it because I got to see what they're going to do to up the ante. Um, but regardless of all that, the, the coolest thing that John McClane has is he's he's a good cop. He's good at his job. He cares about people, even though he's kind of a, a, a coarse asshole at times. He cares about people and he cares about saving lives. And 
and it's great. He's the everyman, like I talked about. He's not this guy. He's not a a commando um, type of person that will do everything with with such ease. I mean, he struggles and he does a lot of stupid shit, but it's it's at the core. You know, he's he's a really good cop and and he gets the job done. So I think that's what's so neat about it. Um, they they do get they. I think they. I don't. I don't want to say they get better or worse necessarily. I love Die Hard with a Vengeance. I think that's such a brilliant plot. Just you know, anybody who's been to New York trying to do a scavenger hunt for bombs around New York, a game as Simon says is infinitely, like immeasurably impossible. It's crazy, right? So um, I think they did a fantastic job with that. But this movie in particular, a big complaint with it was how absurd it is. But I think that's that's what they were going for. And that's what they, they made it very meta in this film. He even says, he's like, how can the same thing happen to the same guy twice in a row? Right. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. like clearly self-aware of it. Or when he says, you're just a, you know, you're the wrong, right. Or wrong guy in the right situation or something like that, you know, wrong guy in the wrong situation. And he's like, heard that before, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Wrong place at the wrong guy. Damn something, like something like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I, I think it's just, it's so funny because, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, that's so weak. They're just copying the first one. But it's like, who cares, dude? It, it works really well in this. And an airport is one of those settings for me that I travel a lot. So I could I, I related more to this than I did an office Christmas party. Just mm-hmm. me personally. So, And, you know, Bruce Willis actually had a problem with them referencing the first movie so much. He didn't oh, wow. like the script. Yeah. And I thought it was important to do it because then it kind of it, by poking fun at it, it sort of adds a credibility to it <laughs> exactly oh exactly like, like this has already happened so why couldn't it happen again you know it sets a precedent yeah so, i don't know i kind of like that take more self-aware i i agree yeah. i completely agree mm-hmm. that's uh fascinating so there's an ongoing debate about die hard being a christmas movie people tend to forget die hard 2 could also be argued as a christmas movie as well what are some films that take place during christmas but you would actually argue are in fact not christmas movies so i had to look some of these up because i i was thinking of some and i'm like i know i've seen some and i definitely uh had some listed so uh eyes wide shut i know you don't like that movie <laughs> i forgot that yeah i know it's cold outside no it takes I didn't place, realize yeah. it was a christmas movie yeah yeah and i actually you know i actually liked it as i sat and thought about that movie more um it's just a very interesting film it's long but it's very interesting castaway that also takes place during christmas yeah you know right. that's why he's flying and stuff Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I actually thought the movie was awesome. It was it was cool to see Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. in such a cool role. That's but, also um, Shane Black too, right? Yeah, that's a Shane it's Black a... film. Michelle Monaghan is fantastic in that movie too. And this one, I know that I know how you stand on it, but this one I still struggle at times because I look at it and I'm like, I immediately when I see it, I don't think of Christmas film, but it, I think it definitely is a Christmas film. But Batman Returns, it's it's one of those movies to me that absolutely it's a Christmas film. But I'm like, I. I don't immediately think of it if I'm thinking, you know, Christmas. So yeah, ba- Batman Returns is definitely those ones because it's it's just so dark. You know, right. McDonald's didn't even want it because they didn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't be selling toys when you're biting people's noses. They were right. penguins. So I mean, they even refer to Max Rec as like you know Gotham's own Santa Claus. He's mm-hmm. throwing out presents. There's a Christmas lighting, the Christmas tree lighting ceremony. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, the whole absolutely. Thing. The whole thing uh, takes place during Christmas, and like it's it's yeah. a very central thing to the plot. Absolutely. Yeah. Goodwill yeah. towards man and women at the end. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Because Catwoman, she's a woman, see? Yeah, not a man. That'd be Catman. <laughs> yeah, there's a Batman. Did you know that Lethal Weapon is a Christmas movie? I mean, it's yeah. not, but it takes place at Christmas. I had no idea that. I forgot all about that. But there's even like the whole scene 
like the drug deal going down or whatever at the the Christmas, the Christmas tree farm. Lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, so, that, oh, sorry. If that was on your list, I I, I apologize. That one that. wasn't on my list. I. So that one, I guess, yeah, technically would be a Christmas film. Yeah, you're right. But I don't really. Yeah, I don't consider that one a Christmas movie. Um, I, Iron Man three. That's another one. Takes place at Christmas. Yeah, also Shane Black. That's true. And it came out in the summer, just like Die Hard two came out in the summer. Mm-hmm. When it's a Christmas movie, that's always weird. Mm-hmm. You just forget. Totally. And I think it's important to talk about um, <clears throat> my criteria, and we've said this before, of what makes a Christmas film. I think it needs to have one of three elements. It needs to take place during Christmas. Uh, it needs to have, well, and, and during that time, that needs to be central to the plot in some way. Um, or it needs to have Christmas or some sort of like holiday name in the title. And then finally, it could have, uh, it could be a film that you need to watch during the holidays. So like, for me, Harry Potter, some people won't consider those Christmas films. I absolutely do because there is Christmas in it. It's an important part of the movies. But <laughs> the reason Christmas. I know Happy Christmas, Ron. The reason I do is because um, I watch them during December. Like, right. yeah, I'll watch them all the time and stuff, but I really hone in in December. I they, they are a good family Christmas film, just like Lord of the Rings, in my opinion. Mm. So. Yeah. So next week, <clears throat> excuse me, we we have agreed on what we're doing next week, right? Yeah. And that is Gremlins. Yeah, yeah, and that is 100% a Christmas movie because one of your points was it being central to the plot. He, uh, uh, Billy, is is gifted Gizmo as a Christmas present from yeah. his dad. Totally, totally. Which I think it's important. It's very remember. important. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I mean that's definitely a Christmas movie. I don't think you're going to find much argument from me. It's just a just very scary Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you know that's one that I don't watch too often. It's not like in my rotation. A lot of times when I consider a Christmas movie, it's something that's in just my Christmas rotation of films. And uh, I always forget that that Gremlins is a Christmas movie until I just sort of rethink the the plot of the movie. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. So Richard Thornburg, played by William Atherton, is an amazing character actor that excels at playing the asshole in films. You know, who are some other who are some other notable character actors that are best at getting under people's skin? Um, well, okay. So from the first Die Hard, Alan Rickman, he's really good at playing an asshole and just a bad guy. Like, you know, when when we didn't know what was going on in the books and then we saw it in the movies and stuff, Snape, we're like, Snape is such a piece of shit. Blah, blah, blah. He's he's a dick in um, that movie. Love Actually, that kind of stuff. So he's he's fantastic at playing a jerk. Paul Gleason, who's also in Die Hard, he plays essentially the Lorenzo role in uh, the first Die Hard. You know, he's the police captain who's kind of a yeah. kiss ass. He, he's also for two months, you're mine. Or, yeah. in the Breakfast Club. I know he, he died. He I did. Had a, I think he had a cancer. Yeah. Aww. I don't know. I have, to, I have to fact check that. But yeah. I remember being sad when he passed away. Yeah. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's definitely a character actor. Uh, Jason Schwartzman, actually. He, um, <laughs> he he's a putz in movies and I love him. I think he's fantastic. But yeah, he's he's such a prick in movies at times like Scott Pilgrim and uh, Rushmore and things like that. He's um, and then uh, Slackers. He's 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 just a weirdo in those five 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 what is it five 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 one two oh two or something like that something like that yeah. happy birthday he's like, oh I'm sorry God. you had to settle for Dave <laughs> <laughs> um and and you and I both love this man but Clancy Brown he I will always remember him from Shawshank 
where oh, he is yeah. just such an asshole. Um, but I love Clancy Brown and he is a fantastic actor, but he has had roles where he's just such a prick. So and then Jason Isaacs talk about Harry Potter. You know, Jason oh, Isaacs yeah. is in a lot of roles where he plays, you know, that that bad guy. Um, same thing with uh, the Patriot. He has that kind of bad guy role in that and then some other films and other mm-hmm. TV shows and stuff. But yes. Do you think that Walton Goggins is a character actor? Um, ooh, I don't. I, I just Googled like best character actors and his name came up. I could see that. He's not like a headliner necessarily. He's he has the potential to be, but he's not. I'm not rushing out to see. I mean, like me, I'll see him, but he's not going to a marquee name yet. Right. But he's fantastic. I mean, we both love him in Hateful Eight. Uh, apparently, he's really good in that show with Danny McBride, uh, like subst- or not Danny McBride. Um, yeah, he's in it. Yeah, yeah. Vice Principals. Yeah. That, he was great in that. Uh, he was great in Justified. So, yeah, he's been in a lot of good yeah. stuff. <laughs> I like him in Justified. He's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right. Just kind of curious. Totally. Yeah. It's always interesting when you just like Stephen Root. He's one. He's not. He's never really took particularly a bad guy per se. But um, I really love everything that he's in. El for love. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's in. He's in Just Friends. He plays the boss. I just saw him. He's like, Daddy, want a fishy? <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. Yeah, he's a funny dude. All right, then. Um, so one other thing I want to talk about with Thornburg is he believes that the people have a right to know everything about everyone. You know, he goes on to broadcast that he is one of several hostages circling the airport. Do you agree with him? Like do, do the citizens have a right to know about the safety of their loved ones or even the people at the airport, you know, planes can start dropping out of the sky. Um, should they be aware of the possible danger and given the opportunity to leave the airport? Ugh, it's a heavy question because right? I mean, I, <laughs> I agree to a very certain degree that they should be granted this access to this information. Um, Now, I I look at a situation like 9-11, right, where if we had no idea that this plane had been hijacked and then boom, it blows up in the World Trade Center. I mean, there were people who were calling their loved ones. There were people who, you know, the whole world was gripped to their TVs while this was all happening. If we had if we didn't know anything about that and we found out after the fact I think that would make a lot of people really upset and it would cause a lot of issues. Um, But I also am a fan of using tact and um, keeping people calm. So it's like when, you know, when when news reporters, um, they don't announce the name of of shooters because active shooters, essentially, a lot of them want the notoriety. And so it's it's we shouldn't be focusing on that we should be focusing on the victims and how to stop this from happening and so when news reporters will go off and do their own thing and be like oh well it was this person who who shot him i'm like what the fuck are you doing dude you're creating a, a bigger situation than it needs to be um and so th- that drives me crazy but when you're in a situation like this where, where it's a giant airport i'm sure they could have thought of something to get the people out to say hey we have a routine inspection and we need everyone out or something like that i don't know uh, or hey actually all the flights are canceled right now because the planes they um i don't know <laughs> there's nothing to see here go home yeah nothing the to see will be back tomorrow go ahead and beat it but yeah because there was obviously <clears throat> they didn't want to start a panic right yeah you see that panic at the end of the movie and when mclean can't get to the yeah, the especially with such a busy airport. Dulles is one of the biggest in, in, in the world. And so having having that happen, I mean, yeah, that's especially on Christmas Eve. I mean, holy buckets. So he he was definitely in the wrong in this situation. 
Who's he? I, Thornburg? Uh, Thornburg. Yeah. I think he was definitely in the wrong in the situation. And those poor people on the plane, too, because that's when when shit can start happening. Like, what if someone is trying to break down the door? Right. And this is all pre 9-11. So I don't know what kind of locks they have on, on, on the captain's uh, cabin. But what if like people are trying to break it down and, you know, let us let end all that kind of shit. So I don't know. It would, let it, me it, off this plane. Yeah. Harrison Ford comes <laughs> in. He's like, give me back my family. So, Get yeah. off my plane. <laughs> land this plane like, yeah, i bought my ticket fair and square there mr president so yeah. yeah i'm see i'm torn on this because if i'm in the airport and i'm with my family and we had an opportunity to leave and and get away from from possible danger i would want that opportunity you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh it's one of those things where maybe the world almost ends every single day but james bond goes out there and saves the day. we don't hear <laughs> about it we don't know about it so we just get on with our lives it's true and uh, it's just one of those things where it's it's tricky because like on a personal note if i was at the airport i would want to know if i if, if alex was on a plane on one of these planes i would want to know um so I have the the right to worry and be sad and scared and all those things. So I don't know. It's tricky. I, it, it, what's interesting about movies, especially in the nineties, eighties and nineties in particular, cops are the heroes. Media is the bad guy. Always media is the enemy in movies. And, uh, I always found that interesting to where I hated reporters <laughs> for so long. And, uh, it wasn't until I took like a media ethics class, that I, that I took a semester at junior college, so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, but when I when I took a media ethics class, um, I was actually in that class when uh, 9-11 was happening. Oh, man. Uh, first, it was my communications class, and then we were watching it on a big TV, and then uh, that class ended. I had to go to my media ethics class, and we're just talking about the coverage and how it's all going down, and then eventually we all got kicked out of school because they, they closed it down. But... Um, that was one of my favorite classes ever, just because of how we explored uh, what is the right way to, you know, publish a news article or to broadcast it on TV. You know, if because you're skewing reality, right? You can, you know, it, they. That's when I learned that the only unbiased journalism is box scores, and we talked about that on the show. And because uh, otherwise, someone's opinion is going to be interweaved into the story. It's it's nigh impossible <laughs> right. to avoid it. So um, I do just think it's interesting because this is like one of those few times where I'm just like, you know, I was almost kind of grateful that there was that Thornburg was on this plane because I know if it were on TV, I'd be watching it. Mm-hmm. If, if this was like one of those things where it interrupted whatever King of the Hill to bring me this news, I would be freaking out and I'd be glued to my TV. Totally. So it was interesting. Yeah. I guess I, I mean, and I can't speak for it because I'm not in the media and I, I guess I, I don't really. Yeah, like I, I, I have an intrigue always. I want to know things, but if I could avoid like statewide panic, then I'd probably want that, especially right. now in a social media world. That's where it, things can get misconstrued and, and a whole bunch of issues can arise. Um, so, yeah, I think I take the less is more approach sometimes of that, but I've never dealt with a situation like this or seen a situation like this, obviously. Right. So. It's more of a, uh, um, a selfish thing. If I, if I was involved in some way, I would want to know. Totally. If I wasn't involved, then I'll read about it the next day. <laughs> That's just a human nature thing. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like everyone should have the right to fight for survival, uh, whether that means leaving, uh, you know, 
getting up and just and having the opportunity to just say, you know what, we will take our chances elsewhere versus the old, you know, have no idea. Right. Absolutely. You know, I would want to be one of those people on the plane. They have those phones. It's the 90s and and they're able to have air phones. And if I knew that this was going to be my last moments, wouldn't I want to call somebody and 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 not die alone? I don't know. or, Or let them know that I love them. I don't know. I feel like that's unfair. Maybe it's the right thing to do, but it's the unfair thing to do. Right. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. Something to think about. Food for thought. I like food. I like thinking. (laughs) (laughs) So William Sadler has played some pretty memorable roles, including Death from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey um, and Haywood from Shawshank Redemption, which we mentioned earlier. Um, What are your thoughts on his performance as Colonel Stewart in Die Hard 2? Are you picking up what he's putting down? Are you are you stepping in what he's spitting? Are you buying what he's selling? Uh, great intro, naked fighting in the air, you know, it's so, yeah. so great. That's what I do every morning. I just naked fight. Um, like but Kata. yeah, <laughs> I think he was a really good villain and he just, he never smiled. He didn't have it. If, if it was a smile, it was a mischievous smile. You know, he was just this asshole and you could tell he was a villain just by looking at him. But I like the man a lot. He's great in, in the roles that I've seen him in too. Um, he's actually in. It's funny because death isn't the first thing that I think of him as. It's um, in a movie called Rocket Man with Har- or Harlan Williams. That's his name. I Isn't saw him live do stand up. Oh, really? Yeah, he was. He's like seven. Seven's a number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't have six. <laughs> no, not seven. Or yeah, he's like no, not six. Seven. Seven. Yeah. Uh, so I, I seven's I think... the key number here. <laughs> I knew you were going to do about that. 7-Eleven, 7 Dwarves, 7, man. That's the number. 7 Chipmunks rolling on a branch, eating lots of sunflowers <laughs> on my uncle's ranch. Oh, jeez. Sorry. That's <laughs> fine. You know, that old children's tale from the sea? It's like you're dreaming about Gorgonzola cheese when clearly it's free time, baby. <laughs> Step into my office. Why? Because <laughs> fucking fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. I know. So, yes, to answer your question, I think he was what great. What was the question? <laughs> about William Sadler. Oh, am I, yeah, am yeah. I picking up what he's putting down? He did a really good job as, as as the villain. And I think more so than Hans Gruber because he could fight and he could do all these different things. Hans is great. Don't get me wrong. And Alan Rickman was fantastic. I'm not pulling anything away from him. But I really did like Sadler a lot in this as, he's scary. as Colonel Stewart. He's really scary. Yeah. I don't like him. I was like, holy even, shit. What's he gonna yeah, do? even his men were afraid of him. I know. It was weird. Uh, because it was, um, oh my gosh, Von D. Curtis Hall. He was the guy that survived uh, in the the luggage sorting room. Yes, and he's like, if you fail me again, you know, fucking, you're gonna go down like a sweet muffin. And he is the guy that's not economically viable in falling down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another movie that we did, and he was in. Um, he's been in a ton of shit, but uh, I really liked him in. Uh, that movie Heaven's Prisoners that I've been trying to get you to watch, but you're not interested. And it's really it's one of the few movies that I like. And his name is uh, Dotrieve, which is you know William Fontaine de la Tour Dotrieve. <laughs> so I like him <laughs> even more. But <laughs> just throwing that out there. Check it out, Heaven's Prisoners. He's great. Yeah. So okay. Anyway. Um, I always find it fascinating when films teach would-be criminals about exploits and security. In this case, we learn that clocks are undetectable through airport security. Technically, that's a false statement, but uh, there would be people going and trying to sneak in 
point, like if you're in the, on the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s, you took guns to airports. That was kind of your thing. Jesus. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? And have you ever learned anything from films that could be used to aid you in criminal activity? <laughs> I mean, I usually take those things with a grain of salt. Uh like how to hotwire a car. I'm sure it's not just cut these wires red and blue and tie it together and there That's you it. go. That's all you or, do. Or how to defuse a bomb. You got to cut the green one, not the blue one or something like that, right? And uh, red light, green light, and gum explodes too. Remember that. But <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think they definitely take liberties and that's fine. Oh, the other one that always drives me crazy too are bulletproof vests, how those are portrayed. Um, you can't just get shot with a shotgun and you're wearing a bulletproof vest and then get up like five seconds later it's going to hurt really bad and you're probably going to like break a rib and be like, Oh my God, I can't talk right now. But people just get up and they're like, Oh man. Yeah. I think I was luckily wearing this vest. Right. So I met her outside and she strapped this bulletproof vest on me. <laughs> what if they shot you in the face? Yeah. What if they shot me in the face? That's a that risk. A we risk were really to take. <laughs> so good. Um, and then also and this movie does it all action movies do it, but you know, when guns shoot and it has like a giant, uh, plume of of fire coming out of the, yeah, the, the muzzle, the muzzle of it and yeah. you're like that doesn't happen that's not how guns work and so I, I just think that's really funny but in terms of but you know what it looks dumb when it yes, doesn't have that I, in movies i agree i absolutely agree and i understand why they are, are put that way into these movies um for in terms of like criminal activity stuff though too yeah the the porcelain gun thing is always oh yeah the, i i brought it through here like the dark knight he's like oh yeah carbon fiber made in china it's not detectable in metal detectors i'm like i don't know if that's <laughs> accurate or not because when i walk through the tsa and my belt goes off i'm like it's a carbon fiber belt there <laughs> and it was also made in china yeah, it was also made in china yeah nbd yeah, yeah exactly yeah uh lock picking too like in movies when people pick locks and they just make it look oh, so yeah. easy and like ah it's not that easy there are people who are really great at it but i i don't think you're doing it right so there are mm. just some some things that just don't make any sense or bank bank robbing i think we see that a lot like in the town you know that that might be a way you can pick up tactics but i guarantee you that the people that are are um basically consultants for these movies they're either like ex-bank robbers or they are security personnel who will tell you how this shit works if they want to make it a little more accurate and then um inversely to that uh to contradict that i should say the banks are like well we're just gonna go ahead and fix that little glitch there we're gonna cover the hole in the de in the death star so you can't shoot torpedoes down it basically mm -hmm. so i mean um yeah you could probably learn some stuff but you probably shouldn't be trying to trying to commit bank robberies or or t uh, hijackings based off of a movie. So, <laughs> yeah, my my least favorite uh, device is just the hacking. Like, mm. I hate how we live in a world where you can just hack anything from any computer. It's the nanobots. That's how we did it. We got the nanobots. So I know, stupid. I know you love nanobots. God, it drives me <laughs> fucking insane. Ugh, I hate yeah. it. It's the it. it's the solution it. to everything. You're like, how do we do this? Ooh, Deus Ex Machina. Yes, we'll just hack it and we'll use nanobots. And I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. The, the hacking is ridiculous. Like you have this so crazy bad. hard thing and you're like, boom, there we go. That was my biggest problem with Smallville was that Chloe was like, you know, she ran like the school paper or something, but she was a, she always had her Mac and she was able to hack into anything. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I hate this. <laughs> no matter what, I'll just hack into it with my computer and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, 
Calm and down. Then, and then Chloe went and recruited people for Keith and Axiom and all oh, that shit. Oh, yeah. For the volleyball so, team. Oh, God. <laughs> like, so he's like, get the tall ones. I need tall players. Oh, Jesus. What a, what a, what a creep. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I wonder if he's playing volleyball in prison. I hope so. Oh, gotta stay fit with that little headband. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Dennis Franz plays Chief Carmine Lorenzo. He's a piece of work. Uh, this is one grumpy goose that yells pretty much in every scene. And this type of character was was pretty commonplace in the 80s and 90s cop movies. Do you find his character likable or do you love to hate characters like this? I think he's necessary. Um, and, and I liked him for the most part. He, he just played what he did in NYPD Blue. I've only seen like a handful of episodes of that, but... Um, he kept doubting McLean, even though McLean had done enough, in my opinion, to warrant, you know, some action from Lorenzo. He's like, oh, yeah, you did just kill this guy in the terminal. We probably should take yeah. this a little more serious than be like, get out of here. You, you, you gave hero us cop. that body. Don't you forget. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think he was being a little cavalier with it, which was interesting. But um, and it's good to have this type of uh I don't know what you'd want to call it, not a movable force, but this uh, roadblock for McLean, because that shows the the bureaucratic nightmare that is policing or, or, or basically anything we do. And we see that in the first one. Like I was saying, Paul Gleason was that role, right? Where McLean's trying to tell Al, he's like, look, this is all happening. And Al's like, dude, we, we got a guy out there. We need to do this. And Gleason's like, no, we're we're going to do this, this and this. And it's like, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. You're just whistling Dixie. And then it's like, oh, look, all these cops just died because you're an idiot and you're incompetent. And um, McLean could have saved even more lives. And I think that's, again, why I like Die Hard a lot is because McLean just really cares. He's like, I don't want these officers to die. And they're sitting ducks, right? right. So a sitting, duck. sitting duck. And then he, and, trans- and he transformed. Stewart, <laughs> he used his best men in for I that know. role, too. I know. And that was... And they didn't stand a chance. Um, yeah. It was that was a gnarly scene. It was, uh, it was. crazy. But yeah, Carmine, uh, Dennis Franz did a good job in this. Um, I think he is necessary for, again, a movie like this, because you can't just have McLean running around and saving the day. You got to obviously have it to be restricted a little bit and him uh, try to have a, a different way to go about it. So mm-hmm. th- that was that he, he did a good job, in my opinion. Right. And it's always funny where there's like that that satire, right, of where the person in charge is always the one that's like a fuck up. It's like, how did you even get that job to be? I know with when like, you're terrible. at it, You'd be surprised how much I make in a day <laughs> <laughs> or in, yeah. a, in a month. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I like it when. Uh, so I always think of um, Harp from Point Break. You know, he's always yelling at Utah. Yes. Um, you know, he's like, yes, the surfboard bothers me. And yes, your approach to this whole damn case bothers me. And yes, you bother me. I fucking <laughs> love it, dude. I, I've never really had a boss that, that yelled like that before. And so I think it's always more common in, in movies, obviously, especially in the 80s, 90s cop movies. Well, you know, and the in, captain's always like a psychopath. Yeah. And in, 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 I know you, you didn't like it very much, but in Last Action Hero, that's why it was so brilliant because they, they make fun of that. He's like, stop yelling. He's like, you know why you're yelling? Because that's your character. He's like, you're, he's like, we're really good friends in real life and blah, blah, blah. You know, so... um I, I think that's what's so beautiful about it is is last action here to kind of diverge a little bit makes fun of all of that of you're right. always going to have the fuck up angry boss and it's going to be ridiculous and so um it really just kind of that was that was very much a cabin in the woods moment for um last action hero right all right fabulous so we are treated to about two minutes of original vel johnson returning as owl pal uh would you have liked to see Powell have a bigger role in this film or was was that little uh, cameo enough for you? 
So I think this is my biggest gripe of Die Hard 2 is I wanted more Al Powell. Um, if you're going to be meta and rehash the first one, you know, and say, how can the same thing happen to the same guy twice? Um, why not bring him back more? Why not have like towards the end, he just happened to catch a flight or something like that <laughs> or, land. I, yeah. or 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 maybe he sends he sends someone like his cousin like hal or something like that <laughs> you know and um and he helps save the day too or, or just something real subtle you know like that would have been cool because al was fantastic when he tells that story about um shooting the kid you know uh in in, in the first one he's like they can teach you everything at the academy but not how to live with a mistake that mm-hmm. was a, a pretty heartfelt moment and so it was cool to see him, but yes, I wish they did more with him. And that was uh, probably my biggest gripe. I think uh, he could have solved uh, the case that the army is really bad. That know? would have been really cool. Yeah, that would have been cool if he was working behind the scenes to and, and, and you know, crunching, crunching the numbers and the data and realizing that, wait a minute now, you guys are in big trouble. But I, I really, but see, I think one of the strong things with this is the whole blanks thing. The, the mm-hmm. you know, the blue label uh, ammo yeah, versus blue and the red. red. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite parts of this film is the double cross. But the, it would have been, yeah, it would have been cool if maybe he was trying to get a hold of McLean. Yeah. And, and then, you know. Cell phones we, weren't really a thing that you had on had your pocket. Beeper. I mean, they, yeah, they yeah. exist, right? Like, he could have been getting the beep and it could be like, hey, you know, that they're, you know, he's in on it or whatever. Grant's a bad guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, he could have got that message and then taken it to him. But it would have been cool if you figured that out. Exactly. Um, or if he's like, a little too late for that, Al, or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Time to call, uh, call the Marines. I thought they were in the Army. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I like that part. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, they say that they drop an F word uh, 60 times in this movie. Yeah, they swear a lot. Yeah. And Fred Thompson actually went to the director and the writer saying, maybe we should tone it down. And they're like, why? Because you're a conservative. He's like, no, I just don't think people will take it. It'll be more of a comedy if you just keep dropping F-bombs. Like, people are going to take it less serious. And his character is one of very few that actually doesn't swear. Oh, wow. Kind of interesting. I read that in the trivia. The more you know. The more you know. All right. So the supporting cast in this film is pretty incredible. Which actor do you think is the standout that is not... John McClane, Bruce Willis, John Amos, easily. I love him. When he got the big I'll, Mick, always big Mick. got the big Mick. Yeah, he's a prince, baby. <laughs> um, so when he, I mean, I'll always remember when he puts the piece of gum in. He's like, "I wish you were there too, kid," because then I wouldn't have to do this. And I was just mortified seeing the throat slit. It's a gruesome scene. I don't like any throat slit in movies, and that was really hard to watch because they're all just chewing their gum watching, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" But he's he's great as, you know, this asshole and he's great as the, as a villain. And I wasn't I didn't see it coming. So I, I love John Amos. I think he's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's even like, you know, he supports McLean. You know, you think he's 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 a good guy. You know, it is a, it is a pretty good twist. Yeah, exactly. Like and he's believable in the role. Yes. I think. Yeah, totally. So. Right. That's fair. I like Art Evans, too. I thought he did Barnes. He was fun, <laughs> just figuring everything out and how to communicate with everybody. Mm-hmm. I thought he was good. And then I also like Marvin too. Yeah, Marvin's really good. <laughs> he's also <laughs> in. Our, he's in one of our favorite Halloween movies. Uh, Hills have Tom eyes. Bauer? Yeah. Hills, yeah, yeah. He's the I one got that's your buckshot here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ruby. Oh gosh. Go away. Yeah, that movie's tense. Stresses me out. Intense. Intense. 
Yeah, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's see. Where was I? One thing about this movie uh, is they make it seem like taking over airport is super easy. Uh, this is something we obviously never took seriously until 9-11. And we've already talked about it on this show. But at any point while watching DH2DH, did 9-11 cross your mind? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I, I mean, I, I think more so, obviously, you know, after the fact. But when I first saw the movie, I was... Um, I was old enough before it didn't happen. It was, I saw it in the 90s. but And I didn't really travel that much back in, in, in the 90s. But yeah, it definitely it definitely was in my head more. But um, I think that... I think, I, I think even looking at how John like, saw those, the villains, he, he, he was having a cigarette, right? And, and let's just say all that stuff's outdated, of course. Obviously, he can't smoke in airports. But he's just having a cigarette and a beer, and he sees these shifty guys, and he keeps an eye on them. I mean, those guys stuck out like a sore thumb in that airport, in my opinion. They all looked like villains. And I mean, I'll get pat down if like my genes are on wrong or something like that for TSA. So I just think definitely this movie, like while I was watching it, I was thinking of 9-11 and how different this would be. You couldn't really make this movie necessarily the way they made it now. You'd have you'd have to hack into the mainframe or something like that. Right. right? Yeah, <laughs> so, Chloe needs her computer. Yeah, she needs her MacBook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I know. And that's and that's the thing, though, too, right, is like the whole movie, you, you just see that that this police department has a laissez faire attitude about everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's a wonder that this didn't happen before. And uh, it's pretty crazy. Like, I do think that it is interesting. Even when I watch a movie like Iron Eagle, we joke about that and how silly that movie is. But they literally get like two jets <laughs> fully them. armed. Yeah, yeah. And they steal them. 18 year olds. And, and, and at the end of the movie that, you know, when they're having that hearing, the Air Force is like, we can't let anybody know that this happened because we'd be real assholes if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, I think there's some truth to that. And when you watch a movie like this, you're just like, man, is it really that easy just to plug in a couple of computers here and do this and do that and easy peasy, you're done. No. And uh, I think that that's interesting. And, and you know, the when when he had the, the death certificates for these, these mercenaries, he's like, this is a resume for, you know, professional mercenary. And they were just, they had zero experience with that. So how would they know? And that's just one of those things where you got to, you got to learn, you know, that's that's one of those, you can't, it's one of those things where it has to happen before you know what to look for. Totally. And with each tragedy, you know, like when the Challenger exploded, they learned a lot about that. So with, with each uh, tragedy that occurs, I'll never say, you know, a good thing comes from it, but there is some sort of, uh, hope that can come from it because you learn about, look, we need to make sure this never happens again and we will study why this happened, you know? And so with 9-11, obviously the things are in place for a reason and it's fine by me. I'm fine with the liquid rules, all that kind of stuff. I'm fine for random searches. Um, it, it totally makes sense. I, I mean, I don't need them to throw away my fucking hand sanitizer and let someone walk through with nail files or something like that. And it's just like, right. I, I don't get it, man. So I, it just, it, it drives me crazy at times, but, but they're, you know, they're there for a reason. And, and uh, I definitely was thinking of nine 11 while watching this film though. Sure. So let's, let's talk about that. How do you ever remember being inconvenienced at an airport from the TSA in a post nine 11 world? Um, not necessarily. I definitely I've had my bag searched. Uh, I think actually when I was leaving uh, California uh, visiting you for uh, from Disneyland and stuff, 
I had a monster in my bag and they like they're like, oh, you can't bring this through or whatever. I got past the line right and they're like, you can't bring this. And I was like, can I just drink it right here in front of you? I was like, I'm gonna chuck it right in your face. But um, yeah. even but, though it's sealed, that's so crazy. I know because it, it's over the, you know, the, the liquid rule. And I was like, dude, I'll drink it right now. There's no it's not it's not like it's a bomb. What was a bombardier? So I. Uh, so that was that's one I've been pat down before. And that was weird. I had like I did laundry and um, I hang dry my jeans because I don't like I don't like to throw them in the dryer. Um, and I probably should have dried these real quick, but I didn't think anything of it. And sometimes I get like laundry detergent on my jeans or just it, they come out kind of weird. Anyways, I went to the airport and I went through and they're like, oh, there's like stuff on your jeans. I'm like, I just threw them in the wash. And like, OK, well, we got to pat you down. I'm like, what? And so he. He's like, okay, I'm going to rub my hand on the front of your leg and then through. And he's like rubbing his hand on my dick. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. And so he's like, okay, you're you're clean. I'm like, that's it? (laughs) What? I I, I don't get it. (laughs) Was the residue a bomb? And then I got arrested. So so that's how I've been inconvenienced before. I've actually, you know how people put things in like clear plastic bags? Like, oh, you have to put all the things in clear plastic bags. I never do, Justin. I have a trout. travel size carry-on bag you know for my toiletries and mm-hmm. it's it's not clear at all i never get checked and i never check a bag so that's that's also kind of one of those bogus things but i also have pre-check so that helps well yeah that helps a ton but right after 9-11 you had to take your plastic bag and put it on one of the yeah one of the things on the, the belt tote, the tote bins yeah. yeah 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 that was a that was a thing and i remember that over whatever two ounces or three ounces yep. whatever it is and you have to take all electronics out and it's just yeah. that's why i love pre-check oh my god it's so great you just put everything in your bag i put all all the stuff in my pockets inside of my bag so that way i don't have to worry about anything you yeah. can leave your shoes on you can leave your belt your watch it's great it is i love it but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm uh, I'm I'm one of the ones that gets randomly selected every time oh, I go to an airport. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Um, now that I have pre-check, it doesn't really happen anymore. But uh, it depends. Seattle, they'll they check you in the line a lot of times. Yeah. You know, before you go even to the belt, uh, they'll like swipe your hand for residue. Yeah. Yeah. They do a lot. Of, Seattle's kind of crazy that way. Um, but um, I always get hit hard there the, the most with the the in quotes uh you know random, random search i'm like man i gotta shave my I'm... my my beard before <laughs> i go on these fucking airplanes you're just too you're too edgy you're too art i guess so too edgy armo there i, I know i look pretty normal but um <laughs> i don't know like because you know you were talking about these guys looking like total creepers and it was obvious that they were you know bad guys as it were but he saw them doing like underhand trading under like under the ta- under the desk and stuff. Like he knew something shady was going I on. I mean, but I still, you and I both did AP, and so we understand. Like we'll watch people that are looking around a lot and just don't look right. And I mean, that's why that's all he was doing is investigating. Yeah, and and, and so like I, th- I think there's way more of that now than there was before, probably. Yeah, one hundred percent. So um, it's it's different, but oh no, yeah. What I was gonna say is every every time I go through the line too, I'll take like my belt off just because I know that in SeaTac sometimes it'll it'll beep and so just to save it from that because i always get really anxious when i walk through a metal detector i'm like oh my god did i do i do i have a bomb on me do i have a gun on me <laughs> and and i don't have shit right but i i still get really anxious when i go through especially the ones when you have to lift your arms up and i'm already pitted out like i'm just all sweaty oh <laughs> so yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and that little cylinder goes around you or whatever yeah the with, scanning with, thing. with yeah. pre-check you don't have to do that it's usually um the other uh general yeah. screening but uh yeah i always get nervous i'm like please don't be please don't be please don't be because i don't want them to wand me so yeah 
I know. It's always something. Mm-hmm. You're like, you stand over here for a second. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, uh, okay, fine. Yeah. Bunch of yahoos. Anyway, so Bruce Willis has a reputation for being a total douchebag on and off set. He gives terrible interviews and he's just all around a bit of a dick, man. Uh, are you able to separate the artist from the person or are the two one and the same? In other words, if someone is a jerk off camera, does it have an impact on you supporting and viewing their films? Well, I mean, it, it's a bummer that he's such a jerk. I guess I'd have to read more into it and see the kind of the, the antics that he's he's. Pulled. Oh, yeah, he's a fucking asshole, dude. Yeah. Well, then that doesn't. Kevin Smith did like a whole stand up bit where he was going to be asking questions. And the first question was, what's it like working with Bruce Willis? And he spent the next like 90 minutes. Oh, <laughs> man. Up bit just talking about how terrible Bruce Willis <laughs> See, and that really sucks then. I mean, I, I never really loved Bruce Willis. I mean, I really enjoy the Die Hard films a lot, but it's. I could go either way on on him. Um, And then with Tom Cruise, I know that he's had some blow ups and stuff, but I love the shit out of Tom Cruise's movies. I mean, you know, you and I talk about Mission Impossible all the damn time. And then Christian Bale, same thing. I love him, but he's had some famous blow ups, too, obviously. Yeah, during Terminator Salvation. That was, yeah, uh, that was the, the famous one. I remember Fucking when he amateur called man. Yeah, when he called K-Rock that that morning, the next morning after that. Uh, clip went viral mm-hmm. um it was crazy just listening to him talk and like apologize and saying he has no excuse for it and he just lost his mind and blah 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 but i remember thinking like man what a dick i would feel so uncomfortable if, <laughs> if i was on set and someone's yelling like that i know terrible yeah i'm glad he apologized that's good it's just i i it it would be hard for me at certain times if if you kind of knew. I mean, like we talk about Kevin Spacey and he's in a lot of really good movies and he you know he was a good actor, but it's really hard to watch movies now with him knowing the things that he's done and you're just kind of like, oh, why? <laughs> I want to eat the hot dogs. I don't want to know how they're made sort of thing. Yeah, so. no, I know. One, same And like Cosby was a big one for me. Man. I know. I was, I was so just angry at the world that he was a terrible person. And that, that broke my heart, man. But like, so Terminator Salvation, that was 2009, right? So, I mean, we've been watching Christian Bale movies for another, over a decade since then. And his, his movies are ones that I go and see. And that is interesting because I didn't, I kind of forget about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just blew up. You know, I don't know if it was like a, a one-time thing or or what, but I I sort of put that one in the back of my mind to where I, I totally just forget about it. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost like he gets a pass, which is interesting because like um, uh, Casey Affleck, he was one that I remember just being like irritated with him to where I didn't want to watch anything that he was in. And I don't, I don't know why it's like I, I pick and choose. I don't have I don't draw a line in the sand and and just, you know, die on that hill. I, mm-hmm. just, I am very selective. <laughs> and I don't know why I, I don't, it's not intentional. It's just something that happens. Yeah, I, don't, I feel bad about that now that I think about well, it. Well, <laughs> and like and Dave Chappelle said in that in that comedy stand up special a few years ago, he's like, because he loved he loved Bill Cosby. He's like it, he was a hero to him. And he said it'd be it'd be as if you heard that chocolate ice cream itself had raped 54 people. You'd say to yourself, oh, man, but I like chocolate ice cream. <laughs> I don't want it to rape. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I know, yeah. Terrible. And I mean, awful, awful, heinous acts that he did and just a shitty person. It just sucks because you're like. Uh, and then anything Trump did, obviously, I never liked Trump ever, but it still puts it into context. Like in Sergeant Bilko, he has a signed photograph with him and Trump. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't like that. So, right. Yeah. And then they edit him out of. Like, oh, oh, 
<laughs> Forgot about that. How terrible you got to be to be just removed uh, from a movie. That's crazy. Oh, boy. Yikes. Yeah, what a fucker. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know. I do think that that's interesting because, like, you know, Chevy Chase was one that I had a really hard time yeah. coming to terms with because I really liked his movies. But then when he just became an asshole, and apparently he always was, but, you know, I didn't know that when I was a kid. So, I mean, Christmas Vacation was one that I always enjoyed. Fletch was another one that I think is so goddamn funny. Mm-hmm. I love Fletch so much. Caddyshack, for crying out loud. He's great in that. And I'm just like, you know, part of me just wants to just enjoy the movies, but then another part of me just says, why should I give this asshole any money? <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. It's uh, I'm torn. I know. I'm it's a bummer. Torn. It is. It's the bummer, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Food for thought, as it were. So real quick, let's discuss director Rennie Harlan. This guy has directed quite a few things, but I notice it's his early work that I really enjoy. In a span of about 10 years, we have Dream Master, Die Hard 2, Cliffhanger, The Long Kiss Goodnight, and Deep Blue Sea. Do you enjoy any of these or other films? And am I missing any off of his resume? Those are all pretty good movies. And those are all movies that definitely were part of my formative years. I mean, Cliffhanger, loved it. That's where I first was introduced to John Lithgow. Um, I think there might have been another Harry and the Hendersons too. But uh, he's a good bad guy in that. Um, Deep Blue Sea, I absolutely loved. And Long Kiss Goodnight, I saw maybe once. I didn't really remember too much about it. But obviously, Die Hard 2 is fantastic. And Dream Master was one of those ones I saw in later life. But I still really enjoyed it. It had one of the coolest kills with the whole waterbed thing. Um, remember <laughs> that? The roach, yeah. the roach death is really gross. Dude, it's too. disgusting. I, yeah, I'm not a fan of that one. That was just gross from a roach standpoint. I'm like, Jesus. Oh, my God. When her face like comes off. Ugh. Yeah. That's really easy. disgusting. <laughs> Is that the, is that also the one with the girl with the eating disorder? Or she's like, no, she has her mom wants her to be a model, and she like. Oh no, that's five. Okay, that that's a gross one too because I don't like food uh, when people eat food, and so yeah. that one just got you me. Know, that reminds me, you mentioned you don't like it when people get their throat slit. Yeah, and one that always just bugged me was in Braveheart when the when the wife that just gets married yeah. or whatever when her throat gets slit and like it's kind of shot at an angle to where you know what happened. Mm-hmm. And she's just trying to breathe and it's not happening. You're just watching her die. Mm. Oh, I hate that. I know. <laughs> I immediately thought of that when you said that. I forgot to mention it. Yeah. But yeah. Back to Rennie Harlan. Heebie-jeebies. The yeah. only other Rennie Harlan, because I had to do a deep dive on his IMDb, the only other one that I really uh, actually liked was uh, The Covenant, and that was in 2006. Um, it's pretty cheesy for all intents and purposes, and it's very much like a... It's in the vein of like a, a Twilight almost, but it's about... Oh, uh, I like that. It's it's about these these four teenagers who... They're all uh, witches or Wiccan or whatever. And there's this ancient, you know, uh, covenant is what they are called that they all have powers. Um, and when you turn 18, you get full powers or something like that. But I think like their parents can pass on the powers when they die, like the full extent of their powers when they die or they can will it to them. It's, it's, it's really weird. Anyways, uh, these four guys have like unlimited potential and stuff and it's really cool. And they do a lot, a lot of cool, fun things. And actually, um, what's his name? Winter soldiers in it. Uh, the dude, um, who is Blaine and Blaine who, and Chess. No, who plays, who plays winter soldier? <laughs> I'm, I'm drawing Bucky a Barnes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sebastian Stan. <laughs> it's 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 like the first thing I've ever seen Sebastian Stan in. But he's a new kid that comes to town, and he's like a villain and all this kind of stuff. So it's actually pretty fun. And um, yeah, 2006 though. That was that was one by Rennie Harlan, and it's very cheesy, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. So, all right. I can I can appreciate that. So 
just follow up. Can you think of any other directors where you really enjoy their early work but are out of touch with their films that were released later in their career? Uh, yes, I can indeed. So uh, Tim Burton, I would say. I, I liked a lot of Tim, Tim Burton's early stuff. But then, and I even like, you know, Mars Attacks and stuff. So in the 90s. But then they got bad. I, I don't like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I did not like Alice in Wonderland. I didn't like Planet of Apes um or of the apes so he, he hasn't done and then I, he did dumbo i didn't see it so but i didn't oh, hear yeah. good things about it i can't watch that one um i did like big fish that was like one of my favorite ones but that's that was kind of the anomaly to it so he hasn't done very much good work um m night Shyamalan, ding dong uh so m night Shyamalan, you know had those the sixth sense and unbreakable and signs and those were awesome but then but in, in the, the village, you like yeah. In the say, we like the yeah. village, yeah. and I actually liked Lady in the Water. It wasn't great. It's 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 pretty slow. But the happening is awful. Last Airbender is awful, and then um, his newest <laughs> one, Old, was pretty bad. So oh, right, right, where they age really quickly on the island or whatever. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. Tim Burton, um, so that's a that's a good choice actually. I, yeah, his his early stuff is definitely, um, you know, awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Batman, Edward Scissorhands. I mean, I like Edward Scissorhands, but totally not everybody does. Uh, Robert Zemeckis is one too. Like, so he did Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, he did Castaway. <laughs> did he, he did Beowulf. Was that him that did he, that? He did. I and Be- Beowulf. Yeah, that movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they look like because it's at that that era of video games where yeah. it looks real, but it also looks like a video game. So everyone just looks weird. <laughs> yeah, it's uh... and it has and Grendel is fucking. Um, he's. Um, George McFly, and so you just see Crispin Glover. Oh, that's <laughs> so he right. It's all weird. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I forgot about that. I for- yeah. Okay. Zemeckis. Um, it, well, you know, and Zemeckis did Forrest Gump, which is like such an awesome film. It wasn't that great when it came out. Like a lot of people didn't like it, I guess. But um, obviously, it's it's become a Won classic. Awards. Yeah. It, well, it's become a classic. It didn't do well in the box office, I should say. Uh-huh. But then, uh, yes, yeah, so Zemeckis is one of them. Uh, Ridley Scott. You know, I've talked about Ridley Scott for sure. You know. Alien, Blade Runner, Thelma and Louise, Black Hawk Down, but then everything after that, like Body of Lies, your favorite, Pr- Prometheus, like definitely your favorite. And, yeah, uh, I like the I like the Martian. Well, that's a I think that's more of a one off though too. The Martian was fantastic. Twenty forty nine. Well, that was Denny Villeneuve. Um, yeah, I guess Ridley Scott hasn't done one in, in a while. I, I guess his most recent one, The Last that Duel, one bombed. Yeah, yep, it bombed. And honestly, when I saw the trailers, I was like, "That's going to be a pass Terrible. for me." I I have yeah. AMC A list, and I don't even want to waste my time. <laughs> like, I don't even want to waste my time going yeah. to see that. I, so. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I mean, I, I I feel like I've always liked him, but that trailer did nothing for me, man. It's going to have to be like I'm in a hotel and there isn't a fucking thing on TV. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. That's going to be the way that's going to go down. <laughs> or an airplane film. So. Yeah. I want, oh what was, God, what was that one movie with Brad Pitt where he goes to space? Oh, yeah. At Astra. At Astra. So I watched that on a plane with no sound. I watched somebody, I watched <laughs> David watch At Astra. <laughs> and I was like filling in the blanks and trying to figure out what was happening. And. The movie was apparently just as bad as the one that I wrote in my head as I was watching it. I was doing voices and everything, and uh, it was not good. 
but I'll, I'll have to watch it at some point. For for old, for M Night Shyamalan's newest old, I actually didn't watch it. It's same situation. I was I was editing um our Jingle All the Way podcast on on the airplane, or I was editing one of the podcasts on the airplane, and uh, I watched it over someone's shoulder. So I saw a good majority of it, and I'm just like. I kind of know what's going on with this plot, and it's so dumb. I, what movie? <laughs> uh, the movie Old. Oh, uh, it's, okay. It's, so that it's was M. Night it. Shyamalan's okay. movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it looks awful, and I was I was like, like, oh my god, when is it going to end? And it was funny because the guy who's watching it kept pausing it to check the time. <laughs> <Just like see. laughs> I, I knew what he was doing. He's like, fuck. Like, how <laughs> so, is this still on? Yeah. I know, but it was uh, same kind of thing. So I saw it with no sound. I don't know if I need to see it. Yeah. I'm trying to think. So, like, for me, I feel like... Oh, did you have another one? Are you um, the only other one I would say is George Lucas. But I think, obviously, <laughs> I, I have to give the man credit because Star Wars is incredible. But the prequels, they have some issues, how do you say? I mean, Attack of the Clones is probably his Oscar-winning directorial, you know, performance. But, oh, man, man, he just... He, they have some issues. <laughs> I hate Attack of the Clones. I know it's really bad. So bad. It's, it's coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> I would I would watch episode one ten thousand times in a row before I watch Attack of the Clones again. I hate that movie. Misa, so much. watch Attack of the Clones. Oh, not a fan of that one. It's pretty I, bad. And I I fucking love Star Wars, and um, that one just just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was trying to think if Christopher Nolan fell into that category for me. Uh, just because so many of his recent, I mean, I don't know if it's recent, but like, uh, you know, Interstellar and Dunkirk and Tenet, I wasn't really into. Mm-hmm. And, and even Dark Knight Rises, for that matter. Uh, so, I mean, that's like, what, four, in, let's see, yeah. Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Tenet. So, it's four, his last four movies I haven't really enjoyed. But, I mean, I really liked, um, you know, Memento, Insomnia, Batman Begins, Prestige, Dark Knight, and Inception. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm at that point yet, because <laughs> I mean, he's been making movies for a couple of decades now. So I don't think that he qualifies anymore because two thirds of those I really enjoy. So I'm just I don't know what my problem is. He's getting too big for his britches, in your opinion. I mean, I still like his movies a lot. And, you know, he's going to do a new one about uh, the Oppenheimer uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. project. The atomic bomb. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I mean, obviously, I'll pretty much see anything Nolan will do. And I I liked Tenet, but but I, I, I agree. I think you can put him on that list for your opinion. Yeah, well, if if Oppenheimer is amazing and the cast is fucking unreal for this movie. It's crazy. So I'm very excited for it. But and it's an era that and a topic for that matter that I, I know very little about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very excited about it. Yeah, so Florence we'll Pugh, Emily goes. Blunt, Matt Damon, Cillian Murphy, Rami Malek, Robert Downey Jr., Benny Safdie. Yeah. That's, uh, I love Emily Blunt. I love Florence Pugh. Like, She's in Looper, you know. <laughs> Emily Blunt. I do know <laughs> yeah. that. But Florence Pugh, Pugh is, uh, I'm obsessed with her. She's fantastic. And I, mm-hmm. I, I really like Matt Damon a lot, too. Obviously, RDJ is incredible. Cillian Murphy is fantastic. So this I will think be... it's Killian. Is it Killian? Yeah. I always call him Cillian. Like celiacs, you know, can't have gluten. See, (laughs) yeah, I know that now. I know. I'm excited. Um, All right. So then lastly, let's uh, why don't you rank all the diehard films for me from best to worst? Well, this will be pretty easy because there's only one switch up. It goes diehard two, 
die harder, <laughs> uh, die hard, die hard with a vengeance, live for your die hard and a good day to die hard. And actually, if there was a movie in between, I could do like spinoffs that would go that would go before a good day to die hard. So. I think you could put any movie that's ever been made in front of. <laughs> we'll put uh, we'll put we'll put ten clover we'll put ten Cloverfield Lane and Scott Pilgrim because Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in both of those and sure. she was also in uh, Live Free or Die Hard. So she was. I like that one a lot. I think it's fun. It's really fun. I like Justin Long. He just hacks into things like like your favorite. <laughs> yeah. I know he just grabs a rando cell phone. Oh yeah, no problem. Check this shit out. I, I know. It. So ridiculous. <laughs> oh my god, the warlock. I like that too. That was cool. He's like. A, <laughs> He's like, you just jumped a car into a helicopter. He's like, I ran out of bullets. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. It's pretty dumb. I like the music in it. I like everything about that movie. Timothy Oliphant, he's great. He's a good bad guy. Maggie Q, she's great yeah. in it. Um, I Asian bitch that likes to kick a lot. Is that yeah. what he says? <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's great in that movie. She's such a badass. Dude. She is if a badass. If there's ever like a, you know, a, a, like she should be in the Expendables movies. Like she's a fucking awesome, yeah. you know, actor and she's does her own stunts type of stuff. She's fucking badass. I love I love Maggie Q. Mm-hmm. I want to see She's her great. in more. Yeah. So what about you? What is what is your ranking? Uh, exact same order. However, cool. I will say that Die Hard. Uh, I watched the first one the least amount. Um, Me too. But I mean, obviously, Die Hard 2 is my favorite. But I will watch uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance like right now, like I, I love that movie so much. I think it's so good. Yeah, and uh, and I and like you, I really enjoy um, uh, live. What is it? Live for your die hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. live for yeah. your die hard. Uh, that one's fun too. I, I'll pop that one on every now and again, and uh, I just laugh and laugh every time it's on. I think it's so fucking funny. It but is funny. Like like I just like their dynamic, Justin Long and, and Bruce Willis. Like, like yeah. he tears the airbag, and he's like. How'd you do? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, it's a very Justin Long performance. That's, it is, great. it is. He's good at that, and and he's not obnoxious. So like, uh, you know, like Michael Sarah, he is pretty much tied to one kind of role. Yes, and Justin Long, I I thought for a long time he was in that same boat, but you know when you watch like Zach and Mary make a porno, he's oh, like God, totally he's different. So in funny, that movie. <laughs> Brandon Saint Randy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you men, men rovers. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, he's like, what what kind of cast? He's like, all male cast. Anything I say, oh, like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? More like Glenn Gary sucks Glenn Ross's fat cock. <laughs> so, funny. so funny. Oh my Listen God. up, all human rovers. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be really with you good. on your mountain of gayness. <laughs> so fucking funny. Yeah, I forget um, that he's in Jeepers Creepers. That was on. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. showed up on one of the streaming services. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I forgot about this. It's the first thing I ever saw him in. Yeah. I like uh, so Galaxy Quest was probably the first thing I saw him. Oh, that's right! And he was so adorable in that. Yeah, Yeah. and like very relatable. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) I was like, I was like, hey, they put me in a movie. It's really great. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So Um, my, I guess for me too, the the original Die Hard. Yeah, it's it's a great film. I'm never gonna say it's not. And and I asked on Twitter a long time ago about it too. Um, Well, not a long time ago, but I was just like, hey, you know why do people defend Die Hard as their best, as their favorite Christmas movie? I'm not saying it's not a Christmas movie, but I think the thing that's been bugging the hell out of me is how everyone makes it this, oh, it's a Christmas movie, it's not a Christmas, like this whole, you know, narrative that people are talking about and they, they feel like they have to defend it uh, tooth, tooth and nail sort of thing. And that's not what I'm asking. That's not what I'm saying. I, I It's just, I'm not a person who likes trends, Justin, that much. And so it kind of drives me crazy. 
but yeah. Yeah. Um, Stoltz. I mean, I, I enjoy it, but I think it's just, I don't think it's as fun as the other ones. Like I have a really good time watching two, three and four. So do I. Think I. I think I laugh a lot. I, I like all the action sequences and I like how, you know, his dynamic with, with whoever he's working with is completely different than that of, of Sergeant, uh, Sergeant Al Powell. Right. Uh, I like the Al Powell character very much. I think he's great when he's like, when the, when he's at like seven 11, the guy's like, I thought you guys just eat donuts. <laughs> he's like, it's for my wife. Uh, she's pregnant. Sure. <laughs> Bag it. <laughs> That's like my Bag favorite it. part. Yeah. I think that shit's so funny. And, uh, but I just really like yeah, Samuel Jackson's character and uh, Jesus. <laughs> Why do you call me Jesus? I look Puerto Rican. I Puerto Rican to you. Oh yeah. my god, it's so funny. I I fucking love that movie. Don't that call was, me boy. <laughs> that was my gold bar. Yeah, that's good stuff. Chester A. Arthur, Chester A. Arthur Middle School. Uh, Chester A. Arthur Middle, yeah, elementary Ro- school. Our, our buddy Rob really likes uh, Die Hard of the Vengeance. He says that's, yeah, that's uh, his favorite. And then um, Stoltzken likes one, but I mean. There's there's no wrong answer between those three, honestly. They're they're also great. I mean, I you and I personally love Die Hard Two the best, and it, it's it's how it resonates with you. But me, I can't stand the the whole how popular it's become to be. Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie, and I'm like, okay, we get it, we get it. You're funny, that's awesome, cool. Just watch it. <laughs> Just like shut right. up and watch it, sort of thing. So, um. Nothing to take it take away from it though, because I could watch all three back to back to back and just be happy as a clam. There's four really good well ones. i know but but, <laughs> but i'm thinking of the particular three because live for your die hard yeah i do want to watch it but after that third one i'm like oh, do i want to sit and watch another die hard movie? Oh, I and it's good it's good but for me since there was such a gap between with a vengeance and live for your die hard it's like one two and three are always going to be synonymous for like back to back to back watching yeah so. and and uh four tiled uh it toned down the the violence and even the swearing, you know, like yeah. even when he says you become a motherfucker when he says that when he drops the f bomb, the gun goes off, so you don't even hear him say it. That's right. Yeah. So it must have been PG thirteen. Get more, sell more it tickets was. that way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a what a sellout. That's so dumb. Oh, whoa, whoa. Well, well, you could also do it to where uh, one and two are Christmas movies, and then three and four are summer movies. I could see that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hot three, town, summer yeah, in the city. Hot town, summer in the city. Dude, when I, when I got my, my, I got a Bose surround sound system. Um, and when I got my DVD player back circa in the year of our Lord, 1998, you know, I went all out. I had all this money. I saved all this money and, and I bought this awesome home theater. And one of the first movies I put on was Die Hard with the Vengeance because of the beginning where it's like, dun, dun, <laughs> dun, dun. And then the music comes on. And then there's the big explosion. And so I thought that was so cool just to hear all the glass breaking and the bomb going off and everything just rattling around 360 in my room. I thought that was fucking awesome. <laughs> Experience the power of DVD. Yeah. yeah. And THX quality sound. There you that go. Would make George Lucas cream in his pants. There you go. <laughs> As the cable guy says. God, I wish we could do cable guy. I love that movie so much. We can one of these days. We will. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. It's been I, like erased from the internet. I think I own it. No one likes it. And that makes me sad. All right. So uh, we've pretty much given our final thoughts. But what would you say uh, is your letter grade for Die Hard to Die Hard? Uh, I would have to say this is an A minus for me. It's not a perfect film, but I love the shit out of it. Um, I don't even think Die Hard's a perfect film. So, uh, yeah, this is this is probably an A minus for me. I think that's uh an astute 
observation. <laughs> I would also give it an A minus. Love it, love it, love it. In fact, I remember one time Alex came down and she was like, "You watching Die Hard two again?" <laughs> Like, leave me alone, man. I like this movie. <laughs> it's so good. It is. It's fun. I wrote a I wrote a story about an egg. Yeah. <laughs> about it. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Well, great. Um, cool. That is it for me. Um, go ahead and take us out. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. And happy holidays to everybody who celebrates any holiday out there. Remember to please follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod at edgyarmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show. We love everyone. Thank you to uh, anyone who's ever wrote something positive to us. We love you. We care about you. We take your thoughts under consideration. <laughs> and negative. It doesn't have to just be positive. It can be like, negative. We'll we take love, the feedback. Yeah, we love constructive criticism. Please, 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 uh, you know, reach out to us. You can also give us movie suggestions, but just please make sure they're streaming. That makes it a lot easier. There's a ton of movies we want to do that they aren't streaming yet, so we got like this fucking movie that you made me watch. It's on Peacock (laughs) Premium, so it technically is streaming. It does have ads, and it does take you out for a little bit, which is weird because most of the premium movies they don't have ads. So Mm. I don't know, whatever. I had to buy it. There's all these Black and Decker ads for some reason. So (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, reparations. Yeah, and if you guys do like us, uh, please, it helps us immensely if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review as well. Uh, check out the Geek Legacy Podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. We're just waiting. Maybe there'll be a Christmas miracle and we can hear a new episode one these days. I uh, know. Lots been happening. Got, <laughs> you, got your boy over here trying to go on his runs, and I'm like, I can't listen to my, my three favorite guys like talk about nonsense anymore. So, so much drama in the personal space There's so much drama in the lbc it's kind of hard being mr justin cavendery <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so just please don't be crazy thanks for listening thank you so much